So you're welcome to, uh, to take one of those Bibles with you, and uh, if you don't have one at home, and uh, we, uh, one of the values that we have as a church is the power of this written word, the revelation of Christ in our lives. And, and everything that we do centers around what, what God has revealed to us through His Word. And um, so we would invite you to, uh, to have one of those and, and allow God's powerful Word to speak into your lives. We are in John chapter 10, and we're going to start reading at verse 22. Um, we're going to read right to the end of the chapter. There is a lot that is contained within these few verses. Um, we're going to breeze over some of it um, and then kind of highlight one specific aspect. But uh, this is a powerful declaration. We have been walking with Jesus as He is having confrontation after confrontation with uh, the Pharisees and the, the Jews. Those that are putting their faith in Him as they hear the things that Jesus says, as they see the things that Jesus does, uh, there are those that are saying, this must be the Christ, and putting their faith in Him. Uh, there are others who are on the other side, and the things that Jesus says and the things that Jesus does, they are becoming more and more hardened in their hearts, saying that this is a sinner that we must get rid of. And the confrontation is, is coming to a, a climax, and you can feel John building the, the, the tension that is happening within the community of, of Israel as people are unsure of who this Jesus is. And, and as one of the things that we have discovered, not just unsure of who Jesus is, but not liking who Jesus is. Refusing to accept the things that Jesus says and the things that Jesus does to reveal who He is. And, um, and that tension is building. And this is one of those passages that are, uh, again, Jesus is being very clear in who He is and, and using Scripture, um, the, the Hebrew uh, Scriptures of the, the people of the Jews to, to reveal His own uh, divinity. Um, and yet, people are resisting. The Pharisees and some of the Jews are resisting that. It starts at verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. Uh, feast of Dedication is Hanukkah, the, the, the Feast of Lights. This is a, a celebration of, of the, the miraculous... Um, restoration of the people of Israel under the, the, the oppression of the, of the Greek empire, Atiochus Epiphanes, uh, the, the um, Greek general who, who was doing terrible things in Jerusalem and had taken the temple and made it into a, a temple of worshiping of Zeus and he had taken a, a pig and he had slaughtered that on the altar of God and, and just had been breaking the heart of the people and under uh, 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 Judas Maccabee uh, there was this revolt um, that sprung up and they were able to overcome against incredible odds. 
They were able to overcome the Greeks and recapture Jerusalem and, and, and purify the temple. And in that time, uh, they, they lit the, the, um, the candelabra, the, men, the menorah, and uh, that light that stands in the holy place that is supposed to burn day and night uh, before God as a, as a symbol of Him's being the light of the world, the, the truth that permeates all darkness. And yet they only had oil enough for one day, only enough of the purified, blessed oil that had gone through the process of the priests. And they only had enough for one day, And but still faithfully they lit it. And then over the next eight days, they went through the process of blessing new oil so that they could keep that menorah burning. And the miraculous part of all of that was that that one day supply of oil lasted for those full eight days uh, before they were able to purify the the new oil and and continue that process. And so it, it revealed God's blessing on this act of rebellion against the Greeks and the restoration of the temple. And that's uh, what is celebrated at Hanukkah. And this is, uh, here it is described here in the New Testament for us. Uh, at the time of the Feast of Dedication, uh, it took place in Jerusalem and it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, Hello! I've been saying it clearly all along. He says, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You wanted it clear. You wanted it straightforward. Jesus is laying it out there. And their response? The Jews picked up stones again to stone Him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for the good work that you are going, that, that you are, that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you, being a man, make yourself God. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If He called them gods to which the Word of God came, and Scripture cannot be broken, do you say of Him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world that you were blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works 
that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And so many believed in him there. Jesus is speaking very clearly and very plainly to these people, and yet they refuse to accept what he has to say is true. And I just, I don't want to dwell on this too, too much, and we could get pulled into this for a long time, but this is one of the clearest declarations that Jesus has made of his own divinity. To say that I and the Father are one is to say that I and God are the same thing. This is not just saying that, that the Father and I have the same goals and the same mission and so we are united in the things that we are trying to do or, or to say that, uh, that the Father is, is holy and I am holy, therefore we are of the same uh, nature. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And, and this is a passage that even though it, there is clarity, that it's Jesus is being very clear in what he is saying, there are those that would try and take this and twist it to say that Jesus is actually denying that he is the same as God. And, and I, I can understand how some people might misinterpret that. And, and, and I've sat down with some people who have tried to walk me through that process. Um, but it is a, a, a misunderstanding of what Jesus says. And the Jews knew very clearly what Jesus was saying when he quoted uh, from the passage in Psalm 82 where he says um, in verse, uh, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is not written in your law, I said you are God's? Uh, that is quoting from a passage in Psalm 82, which is uh, a chastisement against the leaders, uh, against the judges of Israel. Uh, it is a psalm of Asaph um, that opens up and it says, God has taken his place in the divine council. And there are those that would try and suggest that this is the same kind of a counsel as being described in Job, where God is uh, with all the heavenly beings, and there Satan comes, and, and they talk about Job, and they have that whole, whole encounter. It, it is better understood that this is the congregation of God, not the congregation of the gods. Um, it is The Hebrew is uh, the gathering of El of God, singular, um, not of the Elohim, which is the plural. Um, so this is the gathering of God. And then the passage goes on to, to attack those who do not give justice to the weak or the fathers or who maintain uh, right of the afflicted and the destitute, uh, who um, are not rescuing the weak and the needy and, and are not delivering them from the hand of the wicked. These are not the tasks that have been given to the gods 
These are the tasks that have been given to the leaders, to the, uh, to the priests, to those who are in charge, the judges who are in, in charge of the land of Israel. And these were the ones that we see time and time again throughout the prophets who are not fulfilling the role that God has given them. And this passage here in, in uh, Psalm 82 is continuing that chastisement against those rulers um, who are not fulfilling those roles. And ultimately it comes to the end where the psalmist realizes that only God is able to fulfill those roles. And it says there in verse 8, Arise, O God, judge the earth for you shall inherit all the nations. This is and always has been uh, understood by the Jewish people as a messianic psalm. It is a chastisement against the leaders and recognizing that one day Messiah would come and He would set things right. And so Jesus is quoting from this passage that these individuals, these religious leaders would recognize and would know that he was speaking about and showing that he is the Messiah, God who has now come to make things right. And so they didn't like that, so they picked up stones to stone him and made attempts to arrest him, and yet somehow, miraculously, Jesus was able to escape. I didn't want to just pass this this part over because I think that it's important because, like I say, there are those that will come to your door who will have conversations to you about who Jesus is, and they will use these passages to try and twist your understanding of who Christ is. And, and we need to see what it truly is being said, what, why Jesus is using this particular way of declaring His nature as God. Uh, but the part that I wanted to, to talk about was verse 27. Um, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. Graham did a great job here a couple of weeks ago talking about Jesus when he said, I am the good shepherd. Um, yes, absolutely, Jesus is the good shepherd and he guides the flock so well. But there is something that we need to recognize here in this passage that it is uh, because the sheep are of Jesus' flock, they hear his voice. It's not that He speaks to them in some special way or anything like that, but they know His voice. There is something that is within them that recognizes the voice of their shepherd and that they will then follow Him. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered yourself uh, to His uh, rule and authority in your life, you hear his voice. I love that picture of the shepherd, how he leads and guides uh, the sheep into the good places to, to eat, the good places to receive water, the, the safe places to lie down. 
the way that he guides them through the dangerous places and, and cares for them even in the midst of enemies that he uh, leads them and guides them through all of that. The good shepherd leads and guides us every step of our life. There was never a point when the shepherd said, okay, sheep, you're now on your own. I want to give you a test to see how well you deal with all of this. So I'm leaving. Take care of yourself. Never happened. The shepherd always guided them into the places where they needed to go, the places where they needed to eat, the places where they could be safe and nurtured. Jesus, as our good shepherd, never abandons us. Never leaves us alone to try and figure things out on our own, to to test us out. Even when we go through those testings, He is there with us, leading and guiding us through those times of struggle, the times of, of danger. The voice of the shepherd is going out always in every moment of our lives leading and guiding us and bringing us to the place where we need to be. And you can hear His voice. Now, I've I've had this conversation with people before. And Satan will sometimes take these kinds of verses, uh, these wonderful promises that we have that are given to encourage us to know that we can hear the voice of the shepherd, that he is leading and guiding us. And there are some people that will then say, well, I don't hear from the shepherd, therefore I must not be part of his flock. And that is totally the wrong message that is supposed to be getting out that I want people to hear. The reality is is that if you have a desire to hear the shepherd's voice, then you are already hearing it. That desire that you have within you is not something that you can come up with your own, but it is evidence that the Holy Spirit is, that the shepherd is speaking into your voice, into your life, and you are hearing his voice and wanting to know more. Satan will then try and take that and twist it some way to, to say that you can't really hear, uh, that, that that's just your own imagination or that's just other people saying these kinds of things and you're not really hearing the voice of the shepherd. Jesus says that if you are of my flock, you hear my voice. Sometimes he speaks to us through uh, the word, through through uh, through our time in reading the Bible. He speaks to us through our prayer life. He speaks to us as we gather together with other believers like this and worship and praise him. When when we sit down and fellowship and have meals together and and talk about our lives together, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through each other. He speaks to us through our times of worship. He speaks to us through our times of service when we are serving other people. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in all of these different ways. And our our task is not to... Our task is not to try and hear the shepherd's voice. Our task is just to listen and to follow. And that's the place where we are at our best. 
not to allow those lies that Satan would try and tell that would draw us away, but instead focus in on the voice of the shepherd and hear what he is saying and then take those steps to follow him. How can we be certain that the spirit, that, 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 that the good shepherd is speaking to us? Because, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. For those of people who struggle, am I one of Jesus' sheep? You don't have to worry. He knows who you are. And He will speak into your life and lead you into that place where you can follow Him. And it is a, uh, a wonderful place to be. And there is great hope in walking with the shepherd because he gives us the promise that I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. And then he goes on to say something that is even more marvelous. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Nobody can come into your life and dissuade you from being a follower of Jesus. Nobody can come into your life and somehow take away that identity as a sheep within the flock of the Good Shepherd. I, I, I used to love walking with my kids. They don't hold my hand anymore. Um, but back in the day when they were of that size and of that age, when, when we would walk around, uh, being able to hold their hand was a wonderful thing. And there were times when it was just, you know, the, the little teeny hand within my big hand. And, and it was one of those places where uh, there was just joy in being together. There were other times... Um, when there were all kinds of distractions that were around. Walking through uh, a, a fair where there's all kinds of people, there's lights, there's sounds, there's smells, there's all kinds of stuff that are going on. My, my grip on my children changed. It wasn't just the straightforward hand in hand. I would get their hand all locked into my hand uh, with my finger around their wrist, my other hand, my other fingers grabbing their hand, making sure that there was nothing that was going to break that connection between us. I was very concerned about um, them being attracted by all of the lights and the sounds and the smells and somehow slipping away, and they would try. <laughs> but they couldn't get away. I, I never had the experience of anybody trying to abduct my child. That was, was less my fear that somebody was going to grab them and take them away. Uh, my more immediate fear was that there was going to be something that was going to grab their attention and they were going to slip off into the legs of the crowd and I would lose sight of them. And so my grip would tighten 
And there were times when they would want to go in a different direction. When they would be uh, wanting to go into a place where there was some kind of danger or some kind of uncertainty. And again, they could pull all they wanted, but my grip was unassailable. There was nothing that could attract them so much that they would be able to slip out of my hand. I think that is what Jesus had in mind here. Yes, there are those who would try and, and, and tear us away from Christ. Those that would try and abduct us. But more often the problem is, is my own desires, the, the lust of my eyes, the desires of my heart pull me away from Christ. There are things that, that grab my attention uh, that I want to seek after. And it is in those moments that the grip of the shepherd tightens. And even though I have those desires and there are those things that grab my eye and I would pull in that direction, the promise that Jesus makes here is there is no one and nothing that can snatch you out of my grip, out of my hand. Um, that is good news for me because I know there are all kinds of things that I can chase after that, that, that grab my attention, that, that want me to, to slip away from the grip of the shepherd and, and go off in my own direction. And to know that the, the, the incorruptible nature, the incorruptible love and, and care of our, of our Lord, our Father, that there is nothing that can pull me hard enough that would take me away from His love, from His care, from His voice, and from His promise of eternal life in my heart. What are the things that are pulling at your heart today? What are the lights, the sounds, the smells that would pull at your affections? That would try and, and, and uh, snatch you out of the hand of the Father, of your Savior? I want you to know that none of those things have a greater power than what Christ has over your heart. And He will not let you go. And as uncomfortable as it is, pulling on His grip, trying to go after those things that you think are going to be a better way, He will continue to hold on. And let me encourage you, the very best place for you to be is not fighting that grip, but instead walking in step in time with the shepherd in the places where he leads you through the, the circumstances of life that he wants to guide you in. And in the midst of that, 
you will find true joy, true perfection, and true hope in all that He has for us. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your strong grip. We thank You for uh, the limitless reach of Your love into our lives. That there is nothing that can snatch us away from You, from Your promise and from Your hope. Lord, I pray that, that those things that are grabbing our attention today, those things that have been uh, likely slowly over time drawing us further and further away from You, uh, Lord, I pray that You would help us. You would speak into our lives and we would hear Your voice and realize the danger of those. And instead, fall into step with You to follow where You are leading and guiding us. Thank You for that love. Thank You for Your care and Your protection on our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.